Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast behind the sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Nate. I've got some guests with me today, a recurring guest, Tammy Ramsdell. Yeah. Ramsdale. <laughs> I did that last time and everybody laughed and made fun of me. <laughs> you can go back in the podcast and listen to it. I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> and no one ever answered me. So I just listen. knew I would deliberately pronounce it differently than I did last time, which I did. Perfect. And everybody laughed. And at least this time you told me to say Ramsdale. Yeah. Lila. <laughs> I also got here... Charlotte. Charlotte does a pretty good impersonation of the girl who does the intro to the podcast. So hit it. Hit us with it. I honestly don't remember what I say, but I do a really nice job at it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to be honest with everybody listening. Um, Pastor Travis preached on Sunday, but he actually has, we have not heard him preach yet because we're recording this ahead of time in order to, um, uh, because we'll be so busy getting ready for Christmas Eve services. So we're going to talk about a sermon that we have not listened to, and uh, but we already know what he's preaching on because we're in this series, Gifts God, or, or no, I got this for you. And the theme is Gifts That God Gives Us. So Travis was tasked with preaching 2 Peter 1 verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So that's our key verse for this. And we'll take some time talking about this, but we can also talk about Christmas. We can also talk about miracle offering. I know it's a couple of weeks late, but last week's recording, we recorded before I (laughs) preached it too. So we couldn't talk about the miracle offering because we didn't know the totals yet. So anyway, a couple of weeks late, $81,000 in the miracle offering. Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing that's that I've seen for not like ever, but it's it's cool to witness like we were this year I know a lot of people financially has have struggled and it's been a stretching year for everyone and I know conversations I've had with people throughout the church, they were praying about it, thinking about it and figuring out how is this going to happen? I've heard testimonies of people who gave without knowing like where their next like paycheck was coming from or where this money was going to come from. And the next week just God supplied exactly what they needed. And it's been cool to witness that. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so (laughs) great. I mean, it's so even last year. So last year was our highest ever. I think I try to remember, I think it was 64,000 to go from, 64,000 to 81,000, um, I don't know. Like it just, it's hard to even find the words. Like That's a it is huge, so, huge increase. Wow, yeah. it is so yeah. amazing, God. When you do the miracle offering, is that 81,000 that has come in that Sunday or is that throughout the whole year? No, it's that, it's designated miracle offering. So that, if you give online, that's only available. It's available like three or four weeks before miracle offering and then two or three weeks after. So that gets, yeah, it's just miracle offering. 
So it's still going to grow. Yeah. That's crazy. So I don't remember exactly, but I think cash, one of the reasons we wait a couple of weeks is because some people, it takes them a week or two to get it in. We have online giving, which takes a little while to for that transaction, for checks to clear. But I think like cash and checks, that Sunday morning, it was like over $40,000 just right yeah. then that we that people walked forward with. And then there was obviously a lot of online giving. So when all the dust settled, 81 stinking thousand dollars. Yeah. So we, I don't know where we're at for Total Kingdom Builders giving, but we're, I don't know if we'll do it, but there's a chance we'll hit a fifth of a million. Everybody knows quarter million, but fifth of a million. (laughs) (laughs) That's super cool. Uh, For the year. How long have we been doing like Kingdom Builders and Miracle Offering? I know Miracle Offerings. 2018, we did a series where we announced Kingdom Builders to the church. Yep. We did our first miracle offering in 2018, which was honestly blew my mind. Yeah. It was $8,000 or (laughs) $9,000, which blew my mind. Right. Right. It was so amazing because our largest ever like special offering at that point had maybe been 3,500. Yeah. And one person, actually it may have been like 4,800, but one person gave three grand of it. So like between the whole church- (laughs) We gave $1,800 anyway. (laughs) But so that first miracle, it was like eight grand. And then the next one in 2019 might've been 26,000. And that was, I felt the same way about that as I did this 81,000. Like, cause you were like thinking, all right, maybe it'll be eight grand again. Maybe a great move of God will double. Just imagine the offering doubling year to year. And it more than doubled. Yeah. And that was, we were just like, I remember we all stayed after church that day, almost at every location, just waiting for the numbers to come in. And when they finally came from the back room from counting, <laughs> so funny. we were just like, all like, oh my word, wow. oh my word, yeah. oh my word. That was the first year that I started attending restoration. And I came during that, that series. And mm. I remember like... I never went to a church before that ever did like a big miracle offering or really was ever missional about giving. And I remember hearing when we found out the total, like from the church at least, um, I was amazed at what God could do. And I was just, the next year I was thinking about and praying about what what God wants me to give. And that was really, really cool to witness and watch yeah. and to see how much it's grown in that short time is amazing to me to witness yeah it's funny how like you just preached on gifts right and how god you can't outgive god and how god is like every good and perfect gift is from above right and it's like i kind of picture god just standing up there like okay let's see what we can do to make you know wow them again yeah. and it's like because it just all goes to his glory and he just knows it you know and it's like i don't know i just it just makes me smile to think like you know you know how, like, you were talking about how, like, we always look at God as being, like, strict or stern, but God's up there just like, yeah, I'm going to bless them, you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, that is dozens and dozens and dozens of testimonies. Because certainly there's some people in here, that's the first time they ever asked God, God, do you want, yeah. what do you want me to give? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they did it, which is just so cool. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, I, I mean, just 
And it was not, I mean, there was large gifts in there, but again, it wasn't one person and the rest of the church gave $1,800. <laughs> yeah. And I never looked, I should look up how many people gave to the miracle offering. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But it was a lot, <laughs> a of, lot people of people that contributed. Um, so, so amazing. Yeah. It's, it's cool to witness. Well, let's talk about Travis's sermon. Or let's talk about Christmas Eve. We can do either. I was going to go to Travis's sermon next. All right. What'd you think of it? (laughs) It was so good. (laughs) So glad I watched. (laughs) Um, I really loved his pickleball illustration. Is he going to make a pickleball illustration? (laughs) We should talk to him now. (laughs) Can I share you guys? I had a, this morning I went to breakfast with Bob Olberg. And when I was at his house picking him up, he said, um, he kind of, he touched his pocket and he said, oh, I have a gift for the pastor here. And, and uh, I don't want to forget. And then his daughter said, I don't know if you want it. And I said, <laughs> it's sardines. I, I, I said, um, what? Anyway, some, somehow I said, oh, is it sardines? And he said, do you have the gift of knowledge? Because that's exactly what it was I'm going to hear in my pocket right now. He asked me again at the restaurant, like, how did you know? I'm like, Bob, I just know you so well. (laughs) So anyway, the pickleball illustration (laughs) could be a word of knowledge here right now. So if I'm just telling you everybody right now, if he gives a pickleball illustration, he has no idea we're recording this. We're not going to tip him off. We're just going to let it be. All right. I'm waiting now. I'm excited. If people are going to... But actually, you won't even know that he did it, right? So he'll say pickleball, and it'll be a large gasp from Charlotte. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I really love pickleball, do you? <laughs> yeah, you'll just hear me. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> what just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are going to listen back to this, and then it's going to click. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just going to listen back, and this is just a conversation of, Right, well, because this will come after the sermon. Yeah, seven. this is after. So, yeah, they'll know, like, oh, that's why uh, we thought Charlotte manifested. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, goodness. Um, or, or he says pickleball, and uh, tickleball is going to make a new game. Uh, pickleball, and Tammy's going to stand up and say, hallelujah! Amen. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Confirmation from the Amen. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Hands in the air. I'll wait for it. Um, So it's talking about um, God gives us all the gifts that we need, right? Yeah. Everything we need for living a godly life. Do you agree or disagree? I totally agree. Yes, I agree. However, I think sometimes we don't notice it. So talk through that. What do you mean we don't notice it? Well, like sometimes we may struggle, um, I don't know, we'll use patience, right? God gives us the patience. God gives us everything we need, but sometimes we, our sinful nature may come up and come out that we don't, um, like we may yell and scream at our kids and then we're like, oh God, I have no patience. Well, it's not true. We do have the patience. Right. Think through like miracle offering, right? I have nothing to give. Well, have you asked God? Well, God told me to mount and I can't do it. Well, are you waiting for God? Are you aware? I think, uh, I don't remember. 
at one point ever taught this, but oftentimes, like at the beginning of the year, January 31st or whatever, that, that last Sunday of January, we make our kingdom builders goal for the year. Like, God, this is what I, what I think you want me to go after. And here's even what I want to go after. And oftentimes God is filtering that money through our hands over the year, but we're not aware of it. So it gives us everything we need to make yeah. the goal he told us to give, but we're not always aware because maybe it comes $10 at a time or it comes in, oh, it was um, during uh, COVID when they were just sending everybody money in the mail mm. over and over again. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't ask for this money. It's just showing up. Yeah. If you made a kingdom builders pledge, you just need to be aware, like this money's in your hands now. Is it to help you hit that goal that you didn't know how you were going to hit earlier in the year? Well, that's kind of same, same thing. So talk to me about this, all right? For the... The 21-year-old uh, guy or the 17-year-old guy, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Give us the female perspective on that. Do you, do you, is it true for them too? What would be the opposition to that verse? I think we see a lot of, I mean, at least I do, you see a lot of guys struggling with a uh, living a godly life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it's on perspective because I know a lot of people that I talk to who are at least my age, like both guys and girls, um, it's seeing like what's in front of you and not seeing like what God has spoken or what God is doing or seeing past that. So it's the immediate like worldly view. So like, this is what I have in front of me and this is just how it is. And that's a lot of the excuse that I see. Um, so it's just, well, I've always struggled with this and I've always seen it this way. Well, have, have you consulted God about that? Have you prayed about that or consulted the Bible of what you should do in those scenarios? And a lot of the response is, well, kind of, and this is what people have said. Well, have you done that? No, not really. So I think a lot of it is just like, this is what you've grown up seeing. This is what you've like, the world has taught you to do. And that's a lot of what I hear and see. And I think that's a lot of what gets in the way. A lot of times we live, the areas where we're living in an ungodly life, we kind of like those areas. Yeah. So it's, we like to make the excuse, oh, I just can't do it. And even whatever podcast we listen to or, or social media we follow, there are people who are living in a guilt-free way and yeah. ungodly life in those areas that we want. Yeah. Um, and so the party lifestyle, they're just celebrating it, whatever, yeah. whatever. And so you're engaging in it because really, honestly, you're feeling, you're dreaming about yeah. that life. And so it becomes mm -hmm. much harder to live the godly life. Um, I mean, it feels good in the moment, right? Like sin initially satiates that that hole that you have in your life but in the long run it's self-destructive and it's destroying other parts and then you try and fill it with other things so it's like you don't miss it until you realize you miss it like being in the word seeking out God praying worshiping doing those things and you get stuck so easily in the things that immediately feel good rather than the eternal goal 
you can be moral and lost. I think something to add in on that because not right. I think that's probably the um, teenager dilemma. Not every sin, you know, the wages of sin is death, but not every sin leads to death because they look at people who are in their 60s who've never served God a day in their life and have great families and a great marriage and great jobs and great incomes and they're great people. And then you begin to think like, well, they don't follow Jesus. They have a good life. But the the eternal consequence, which we have to remember, we can't save ourselves by being good people. How often do we actually think of the eternal? Like every day, do we wake up and think, oh, if I die today, am I going to go to heaven? Or, you know, we don't think of the eternal picture. We think of that instant gratification yeah. all the time. Like, I think for like when I think of kids like or teenagers like dating, you know, it's like, wait, God has somebody for you. You want to wait. You want to wait. You can keep preaching that and tell them that. But when they see their friends in these relationships and it's like, but I'm, I might be lonely, but God has something for you. God has something planned for you. You know, it's hard sometimes to see it and feel something, but not see like the bigger picture of it. Right. You know, they want that now. Yeah. I had a conversation last week that was about that, where I was talking about the scripture on the 10 virgins in Matthew. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about like, how do we, how we live now can be dangerous in, in an instant, right? Like, if we're not living godly now, if we're not looking to wait for the bridegroom to come back, if we're not waiting for Jesus to come back and we're not living like that, it can be dangerous if we're not. And a lot of people, they're, they're living that life of, well, I'll prepare when, when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So riddle me this. I have a question for both of you because you're parents. How do you, um, how do you raise up your kids to live in, in trust in that God will provide them to live holy lives and like, how do you raise them to to understand that that it's necessary almost, or not almost, but it is? Well, for me, I've always been completely honest with my kids about everything. I mean, I've told them, they know like even my sins, my regrets, all those things. I've shared those with them. And I've even shared with them like how, what I wish I had done. And then, like, I will tell them, like, what God had for me, but I didn't listen. So I would, like, tell them, like, um, God has something better for them. God has a plan for them. God had, you know, and it's just reiterating. And I really think it's so important that, like, we brought them up in church. We took them to church. They went to youth group. Um, They were involved. They served. And I just think it's very important as parents to do that with your kids, but not just take them, but they need to be the role model as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different things. Uh, I was just looking up a stat while um, while you were talking about that, but, you know, counterintuitive, I think we were talking about a second ago. So culture, um, culture, single culture is to have... The, the goal is to have multiple sexual partners. Um, I think the stats are like 15 is a little too many, two is a little too few. So somewhere in that 
goal is where you want to be, but most people probably aren't really thinking about that. But there's a lot of stats coming out right now that um, fewer sexual partners equals increased marital satisfaction. And again, like people aren't thinking about, well, I'm lonely. I don't have a date to the prom, but ultimately I'll have a better life or better marriage. Yeah. Obviously prom has nothing to do with it, but um, I'm not hooking up on the weekends and I'm lonely. And it looks like you're messing out on a lot of fun. But what I try to teach my kids is what everybody, everybody will look up to you later. You'll be the rare later. And we're pretty open with our, with our um, kids about, I mean, a lot of stuff. But I remember not this, not so much now, but when our kids were in elementary school, um, I forget which kid it was. It might've been Benaya. But we were one of the only, he was one of the only kids who had both parents living together. Wow. And he talked about that. Like, it's not fair. My friends get two Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't looking at it from a positive perspective. It was yeah. a jelly. Their life is better than mine. They get two Christmases and whatever, whatever. And so it was just teaching like, oh, you, they do get two Christmases, but you know what else they don't get? And you know that they're jealous of you. and And so then it shifts their perspective a little bit. And so we do that in a, in a lot of things. Um, in um, Ask your question again, because I think I, there was something else I was going to add to that, but I was looking at the stats. You're testing me. Uh, so it was along the lines of how do you raise your kids to live a godly life and trust that God will provide the ways and the paths to, to live that godly life? Well, we have to trust, we're tr part of it is trusting his word. Yeah. So his word here, he gives us everything we need to give a, live a godly life. He does it for a 12-year-old. He does it for a 14-year-old. He does it for a 17-year-old. He does it for a 78-year-old. He does it for an eight-year-old. Everything we need for a godly life. Yeah. The eight-year-old, I, you know, I joked two Sundays ago about calling me a hypocrite, <laughs> um, which I think he called me that last night. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but I what was I making him do? Brush his teeth. So a little bit out of context. I mean, I brush my teeth. So. <laughs> he just doesn't see you do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm in bed. <laughs> um, but he, um, he, God gives him everything he needs yeah. to be able to hold his tongue, to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in his life. Um, so it's a lot of open conversation and we don't shield our kids from the effects of sin. So we don't look down on people, yeah. but we'll point out the differences in people's lives. So it could be at a family gathering. And when we leave and we say, well, they don't follow Jesus and we do, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. Um, you know, when we have great blessings in our life, we're, we're pretty open, like, oh, that's because we tithe. God blessed us with this because we tithe. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of if there was any recent example. I don't remember what it was. But, well, I mean, the boys got a, a free goat uh, <laughs> a year ago, which uh, gave them more milk to make more soap. Yeah. 
well, why don't we get a free goat? One, because it's stinking annoying and that's the one that won't ever <laughs> shut up. So I understand why they get rid of it. But two, because we tithe um, and because they gave a kingdom builders goal last year, God blessed them and allowed them. I don't know. I think they might've sold like $1,500 or $2,000 they gave this year from selling their soap. Wow. So, and that's pure. Like Michelle and I donate all the supplies for the goats and the puppies. So it's just whatever dollar they make is given. It's just given. That's cool. um, But that was, that, that was that. So helping people see in a non-judgmental way yeah. the effects of sin. Helping people see the great benefit of a godly life and putting them in, in as many atmospheres as they can to experience yeah. the presence of God. I had, um, I think it was two nights ago. Two nights ago, three nights ago. It was bedtime and... I I lay in bed next to one of them. I said, how's it going on? What's going on? And he said, um, just try to make sure I talk in enough riddles so you can't figure out which kid it was. Um, I just feel like I'm going, I just feel like I'm going down the wrong path. Yeah. Well, what do you mean by that? And, you know, paraphrase, but. I'm losing my temper. I'm yelling at you and mom and I'm just asking God to help me. And so I was able to speak into his life. Yeah. And pray with him. And you never use it as a time to point a finger or thing like it's just yeah. always try to be the the dad and the two lost sons parable. You got to protect them. I think, you know, open, you got to be completely open. Like you're the person that they could be able to come to you for everything and anything with no judgment, like where any type of questions that they might have. And just, I mean, sometimes you get questions, you're like, oh my gosh, where's this coming from? No doubt. And you're just like, you just have to like handle it and... Because they're learning, but you want to make sure that you're the one teaching them and not their friends or... I try to teach them, ask the questions, but not in all of these public <laughs> settings. <laughs> and, and what, you don't like walking down the I grocery store I remember being at a restaurant aisle. and all of a sudden he, with other people... And all of a sudden, one kid asked this question and I, my response was like, what in the world? <laughs> And I overreacted, but I was so like caught off guard. Like this is like we're not, we're talking about. And and listen, and so it had to be a follow up later. Like, hey, I'm not mad you asked the question, but that's not the format that we ask questions like that. Oh my word! That's good. I mean, at least they're not afraid to ask the question. Yeah, and and part of it too is because I'm not afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So. Um, you know, as eight-year-olds, it's a conversation about inappropriate pictures on the internet and in you can't just watch any movie you want. 
which is right a little bit of a scary thing because we, our parents were a filter when we'd go to rent movies from the movie theater, but that's everything's accessible. Yeah. Even if you have really good safeguards, it's still yeah so easily to get. And so it's not a conversation it, it be beyond protecting them. You have to teach them why you're protecting them. So, but it's a regular question that I ask them in one in that one on one time, or if I've got an age group together, like the two older ones or the two younger ones. Yeah. Hey, have you seen anything inappropriate? Did anybody show you anything inappropriate? Did you watch anything on accident? Are you telling me the truth? And uh, those types of questions too, helping them out. So. I probably had more to say on that, but I don't remember. That's okay. It never clicked <laughs> back in. Whatever I was going to initially <laughs> thought, it never came back never to me. It never came back. That was a good answer. So what are the areas of godliness that we should, that should be a focus for us? It gives us everything we, we need to live a godly life. What is a godly life? I mean, you're, you're non-pastors. I don't want to have a bias in my answer. <laughs> For you guys, from what you've learned, from what you taught, from what you believe, what's the godly life? I think one thing for me, like, is if I believe something, I need to walk it, not just talk it. I think that's really important for people to see my actions that, you know, like, for example, gossiping. I don't want to gossip. Okay, then I need to stop gossiping and let other people follow that. You know, I think that action is huge. You know, God is a God of action. Um, I think, so, yeah, I think just people to see that who I am is who I am. Yeah. You know, the mirror image. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's uh, obedience. So if God says it, I do it. And I do my very best to do it without hesitation. Doesn't always work that way, but that is something that I try to walk out. And even if it's something that like I've had personal convictions in, I want to walk that out without condemning other people for it. So if it's something that I am like trying to incorporate in my life, so as of late, I've been trying to watch less like TV shows and movies and things like that. I do occasionally, but it's very limited. And I try to reserve like if I were going to d take that time to watch TVs or shows or whatever, it's then switched over to um, either studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and I flip the script. So I'm I, I try to shift it. So, all right, is this glorifying to God? Even if it's like a simple task, that's what I, I try and do because I think a lot of times we can get caught up in doing the mundane without incorporating like Jesus into whatever we're doing. And that's, I think, where I'm at is trying to take those steps of obedience of just saying, all right, I can read my Bible daily. I can pray. I can listen to worship music. I can go and be a part of volunteering. I'm a part of giving and doing those things. But is that is that the standard or is that just the beginning for me? And I think that's kind of where I'm trying to move past. So, What's the difference between a godly life and 
of religious life? Because they can... They can overlap. I think a lot of it's the heart. Um, in my experience, I've witnessed a lot of people who live religious lives. Um, the church that I grew up in, uh, unfortunately, was a lot of religious people and not a lot of godly people. Um, and now I'm hyper aware of at least myself and witnessing it in other people's lives. Don't just do it because other people do it. Do it because you want to do it and do it because that's a something that Jesus asked you to do. And I think that's the biggest difference is where's your heart in it? I think too, the fruit of the spirit. Like if you have the fruit, it'll show. Um, and it's not... That, to me, I don't think that would be a ritual thing. Like when a lot of churches where you are, was just religion, you just do it out of mundane, just that's what you do. But like with you, have, like Charlotte said, your heart, you have the fruit of the spirit. Um, I think it, people will see the difference. I think there are... Um, You know, a godly person. There are a few things that are true about every godly person. They pray. They study scripture. They listen to God. They obey God. They are under authority. They um, they give. They worship with other believers. They serve other believers. Um, they tell others about their faith. I think those are some of like those probably offhand. Like those are the the key things. And you can be religious, but it's hard to. Um, it's hard to sustain living that way for very long. Yeah. Um doing all of those things. You end up just doing a couple at a time, whatever's trendy, trendy whatever other people are. Yeah. But a godly person does those things no matter what, no matter if it's cool or not, if it's even fruitful or not, because obedience is probably, num num you know, number yeah. one. <laughs> Um, so sorry I've lost my train of thought there was something else <laughs> I was going to ask but I can't think of it Any, oh I had, a, I had a text message question to come in oh, cool. it was not for the podcast um, oh actually this is like three pages um but the question ultimately was, um, actually it could be connected. Do you think we should be bringing people's attention to how bad living in sin is? Because I've learned recently that if you live in sin, it's not good. Um, I feel like we should bring, be bringing it to people's attention, even if it makes them uncomfortable, because it's about their salvation, not about what they want to hear. Give me some of your feedback on that initially. I always thought it is about their salvation. So 
You introduce them to Jesus and let God do the work. It's not my place to judge how other people live or, I mean, you're a, you are an example of like, so if they're cussing, you don't cuss and maybe they'll see that, oh, okay, why are you th- swearing? Well, right along with me, but I have always been told that we introduce them to Jesus and Jesus does the rest. It's He does the work inside. I don't know. Uh I think it's a little bit of both. And so, yes, we, we introduce them to Jesus and we let him do the work inside their heart. But I know for myself and for others, there's sometimes where we're blind to our own sins, like the little ones or even the big ones sometimes. Sometimes people genuinely don't know that something's a sin, especially if they're a new believer. I think it's taking the opportunity to say, hey, let's have a conversation and doing it in a way that's not um, tearing them down or, or belittling them or um, bringing any kind of hurt, but more of a, I love you and I want to help you grow in this moment. I want to show you that there's something better. Um, and just kind of shining a light rather than poking a sword. And to like where they are are in their walk, you know, when you can have a just conversation with them or if you do have that conversation. Um, again, it's like we're supposed to go to other Christians if, but if we don't do it out of judging, I'm not. I think that's something that we've been taught. For me, I've been taught different ways. Like if you go to somebody and you point out their sin, you're judging them. You're being the hypocrite because you're wrong. But it all comes with a hard attitude. There's some people who really love to call people sinners and to tell them they're going to hell. But that's not good news. The good news is, hey, you're a sinner, but Christ died for you. So that's the conversation. It always has to involve Jesus. Yeah. And I would always say, let's talk about Jesus first. Then when they say, well, why do I need him? Then that's your introduction to sin. And then people say, well, I'm not a sinner. And then you begin to say, and then you kind of dive into. Yeah. Um, that's like the Ray Comfort. He would always go, um, have you ever... Stolen something? Uh, yeah, yeah, when I was five years old. Okay, have you ever had a lustful thought? And people laugh, yeah, I have. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah, all right. So you're a lying, stealing, adulterer. <laughs> and then they're like, uh. They're like, yeah, you need a sinner. You need a savior. Yeah. And he would and he would bring, but it was not, he didn't show up and say, hey, hey, um, hey, liar, cheater, adulterer. You're a sinner. And like, heck with you and they just like no one's gonna listen to that yeah so just telling people they're a sinner or just saying hey you're in sin it's not going to create a conversation it's not going to give you a chance to share the good news and now the converse part which too many churches leaders and i i mean certainly i've got some stories that that i probably didn't handle things the right way um they don't talk about sin and so they don't ever, ever mention it. Well, that's bad news too, because yeah. how can someone repent if you don't teach them what the word says? 
And sometimes people want me to have a public conversation and I'm not willing to do that. I'm going to wait for an opportunity to have a private conversation. And that's caused some people to leave the church before. Well, if you're not going to deal with them, I'm going to leave. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Like, But I want to... I'm a real, you've heard me say this before. I'm a real windows of opportunity guy. I'm going to sometimes try to create a window and do some construction and some remodel and try to put some windows in the wall where there are no windows. But I'm waiting for that window of opportunity to open up to begin to say, hey, have you ever thought about it this way? Have you ever? And so my conversations, like I remember, I don't know what year it was, 2014, 2015, but we had a... um, I don't even I don't even know how to identify them, but a transgender um, homosexual attending the church who attended for a number number of months. Yep. Uh, and then that conversation was, you know, my family's telling me I shouldn't come here because you guys believe this and this and this. Is that what you believe? I said, well, you, you know, we hold a traditional historical view of scripture. And that's what we understand scripture to teach. But have you ever felt like in the months that you've been coming here that we don't want you here, that we hate you, whatever? No, I haven't felt that. And, and the conversation was, I want you to meet Jesus. I don't want you to just change your, how, yeah. your actions. I want you to meet Jesus. The religious person changes their actions. They never meet Jesus. Becoming religious doesn't bring you to heaven. It makes you look good on the outside. But it's what it, Jesus described the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. You're going to come in here, you need to wear a suit. You know, that all that stuff that has nothing to do with scripture. Yeah. And that conversation was, and he was like, I really want to follow Jesus, but I really like my life. And I said, I'm never going to tell you to stop, but I know this. Jesus will at some point tell you, you need to choose this or me. I don't know when he'll tell you to do that. He might be telling you to do it now. It could be a year from now. It could be five years from now. He will at some point bring you in the process of letting go of this and trusting him with this part of your life. You'll have, you'll make that choice at that point to say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you and I'll walk away from this. Or Jesus, I no longer want to follow you. I like this more than I like you. Yeah. And you'll have to make that decision. And ultimately, he made that decision. And, uh, but we keep the doors open because we believe that, um, that when at some point, just like the prodigal son, they might find themselves in a pig pen. And I want them to know when they walk back through the doors, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. So... Listen, anything on living, any books on living a godly life? Um, uh, I mean, that's kind of a broad subject, but you can think of and recommend. The Purpose Driven Life is an old classic, which is leading to like worship, evangelism, prayer. I don't remember all the five things are at the top of my head, but. Um, that's probably, I mean, that's a classic. If you've never read that one, yeah, there's a reason why it's a classic. And it changed I think we've, America. All the ones that are floating through my head, we've already recommended several times over. 
um, yeah, I because I when we came into the podcast, I forgot we were talking about Travis's unread, unlistened <laughs> to sermon. Um, but you know, this is just a plug. I don't know if we plugged it yet, but our sermon series starting in January is called Like, like Jesus. Jesus. And it's actually a 24-week series. It might be a little bit longer than that, actually, but they switch it around. But it's in February, April, July, October, and December. So it spread out through the whole year. And um, so anyway, I'm pumped about that. And that one's going to be for good. That series. Yeah. Just that's our, our theme for the year. We want to be like Jesus mm-hmm. as individuals and as a church. And we'll look through all those different, all those different ways. Well, listen, guys, have a merry Christmas. I'll see you all at Christmas Eve service, two and four in Dover and Plymouth, and four p.m. in Milton. Christmas Eve. Um, if you haven't heard it said before, no service on Christmas Day, which is a Sunday. Yeah. We're gonna rebroadcast our Christmas Eve service on Christmas Day. So potentially a great chance to watch the Christmas Eve service with your family at home. Yeah. Maybe you had some that didn't come on Christmas Eve, wouldn't come with you. We just pick me instead of putting the Macy's Day Parade on, <laughs> put the Christmas service on and you get a chance to show it off and to worship together. And I'll try to have a good message that, um, that you can bring into your house and share with your family. It's going to be good. See you around.